Welcome to the Lot Pod, brought to you by ACDMB, who are a branding and creative design studio based in Farsley, Leeds. They create standout brands, so if any companies out there need a brand new logo or a brand refresh, just get in touch with ACDMB. Thank you for them, as always, for sponsoring the podcast and helping us designing with the issue of the Lot 17A fanzine that is still available on the Lot Pod store, so be sure to check that out. This is the match review panel for the Challenge Cup loss to uh, Wigan. There are there is no sounds of the game uh, this week, I'm afraid. So we'll go straight into our guests. We have Sam. How are you, Sam? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for having us back on. And we have Cameron. How are you, Cameron? Um, pretty good, thanks, mate. Well, except for the result. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit of a double whammy for Leeds Sports uh, in the last 24 hours, but we're not going to talk about those idiots in London today. Um, in true lot pod fashion, we start with the positives. Um, Cameron, have you got any positives that you can take from the game yesterday? We actually started a game relatively well. I'll, I will caveat that by saying for spells in the first half, I don't think we were good enough. Um, but there were other spells in that first half where I thought we more than matched Wigan, which I think only uh, to turn a positive into a negative. I think that sometimes winds me up even more because... We've shown a lot this season and we can compete with the top teams and then we sometimes throw it away. Sam, what positives have you got? Yeah, well, the first half performance was on my list as well. You know, we've been asking for long enough to to have a first half performance, so we got to point it out when it happens. But unfortunately, it just, you know, the, the bad performance came in the second half this time, which is annoying, but, you know, got to point it out. Uh, Tom Allroyd, I thought was really good. Um oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. He played well, um, and Saturday afternoon rugby as well. It's just, it's great. Isn't it? <laughs> That's the first thing I got written down. Actually, as my positives was sunny Saturday afternoon rugby. Like I just, I, I get much more excited for, or much more enjoyment out of a Saturday afternoon kickoff when the weather is like that. Admittedly, as I was saying to you, Sam, before we came on air, probably enjoyed it a little bit too much. I've done that now with two Saturday afternoon kickoffs now. Um, I've just about got over the hangover from uh, this morning. Um, but yeah, the sunny weather I got down, I, I put Cam down as a positive. A whole roid I thought was brilliant. And then it's a bit of a positive I don't really want to mention, but I think it deserves shouting out, which was the turn up from Wigan. Um, yeah. Because they, they, they brought a lot of people over, creating a good atmosphere in which the South Stand was feeling pretty empty. Um, yeah, it was surprisingly quiet yesterday. I was surprised that, yeah. you know, I, I thought... As we've said, the weather and it being a, a Saturday afternoon where you can do what you want afterwards, it, I thought it would be you know, attracting a lot of people. But I had quite a lot of uh, space in the south stand and 
I couldn't believe it because it's been pretty busy all year, hasn't it? In, yeah, it like, has been. And I, I, I normally have to get to the stand about half an hour, 40 minutes before the game to get my, my usual spot. I could have walked up at minute one and still got my usual spot um, mm-hmm. yesterday. So let's go into the game then. Let's talk about that first half because the first thing I want to talk about is Tom Holroyd in the, an old-style gut-busting run from a prop with determination to get over the line. I thought his try was absolutely excellent. What did you think of Cameron? Uh, of Holroyd Cameron? Um, I thought yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. In fact, to be fair, I think the pack itself started really well. Um, I turned to somebody after 11 minutes um, when I thought we were really on top and said, this is the best 11 minutes Mikhail Ledsky's played all season uh, because I've said on the podcast before that I feel like he's taken some time to really get into the groove since he's returned from injury, which is to be expected. And I was impressed with how he started. I've just been impressed with Allroyd all season, though, to be honest. He's having an outstanding um, campaign, and I think that number 10 shirt should be his um, this time next year, absolutely. And that's a massive positive um, for the club moving forward. I mean, obviously, a lot of talk about Sam Walters leaving, but we shouldn't forget what we do have um, in, in Tom Allroyd, who basically looks like and he's not the finished article obviously but he's a guy who can start a prop every week now for basically the next 10 years or something ridiculous yeah. because he is a starting uh, prop but i love that run i love that try do you yeah. know you think he took it what 10 meters eight ten meters out three people on him one of them is a prop i think it was ethan havard i think of someone but that determination to get over the line what, what did you make of it sam yeah he's just i mean i'm so glad we were patient with him because he, he had his injury problems and he had the long ban and just uh, a small disciplinary issue last year about <laughs> 15 players. <laughs> yeah, but I, I remember looking into it last year and, you know, his appearances since he's made his debut. And I thought, is this just going to be one of those that doesn't materialise into, you know, what it could be? And luckily this year he's just, he seems to have matured and he's he's performing so well. And that, as you say, that try, the determination to get to the line is just, you know, that's what we've been wanting from props for, a good few years, just that pure aggression and strength just to say, I don't care who's in my way, I'm getting to that line, I'm getting past these players. And, you know, if he can carry on doing that, we're going to have a seriously good player on his hands. He seems so what- to be doing more and more, doesn't he? Um, those kind of runs where he just shr- shrugs people off like they're not, not there. And I think with Oledski, he's a guy, kind of player who can do really long minutes for you. Um, so to have someone who's a bit more of a wrecking ball, I mean, Oletsky can do that, but like just this ball of energy that Allroyd has become, that's great. But one thing I will say is I was a bit confused with how we managed the minutes in the middle yesterday. Um, Allroyd and Oletsky uh, started really well, then they went off and seemed to be off for a very long time, and a very, very long time. And then Allroyd comes back on and then gets taken off towards the end, and Oletsky's replacing it. I just didn't really... I was surprised with how we managed those middle units yesterday. I don't know what you two thought about that. Yeah, yeah I didn't seem to have a lot. Didn't have seem to have many minutes, did he? No, no. That's what I was. Our best period of the game seemed to be when they were on the field, and they they went on the field for as long as they probably should have been. And these two uh, guys, I expect, especially Oledsky, I expect big minutes from. So I was, just, I, I was a bit flummoxed by, by the substitution plan down the middle there. Yeah, there was one stage in the game yesterday where I was thinking, I really don't like it when Lasoni and Sangare are on the pitch at the same time. Uh, it's not because I don't like either of those players. It's because together, I think they've got similar roles within the team and neither yeah. of them you know, do those minutes and can 
bring what Holroyd or Oledsky do. And I just think that's when we, if we've got momentum, that's when we lose it sometimes. When, you know, they tire and teams just take advantage of it. And, you know, that's, well, that, I, I'm not certain, but I feel like they might have been the, on the pitch at the start of the second half together. Uh, I can't remember because 33 seconds well. into that second half, we were losing uh, or we're, we're conceding a try. So I wasn't really, I was more free with the fact we conceded a try in 33 seconds. Can you guys Donald's put your, can you guys put your finger on the pulse in terms of why we started so well in the first half and we haven't previously? What do you think was a difference with how we started that game versus previous ones? Um, maybe there was a bit of confidence from last week that we knew we could score points on him. Um, but I mean, there's been many people who've pointed out we were a dry weather team, so that could have yeah. helped. You know, we everything was going for us that we had. We had the confidence. Weather was good um, at, at Headingley, um, and you know, as you say, it started well. And I'm just disappointed they didn't, you know, realise what we're doing is working and just continued it. I know it's not as easy as that against Wigan, but. It was there for him to win, um, and um, you know, I can't really work out why they haven't gone on to win from the position they're in. Well, conceding that try just for half time wouldn't help, but we'll, we'll get there next because obviously the next things that happened was did we get out of jail? There was two forward passes. I mean, they were both about a mile, a mile forward in both of those, so that might be the get out of jail card, and then. We get the Harry Newman try, which was great to see Caesar taking on the line. It was great support, a bit of a juggle with Newman. Then Newman gets lucky, in my opinion, in that that ball in the first time should have been given. I think he had Martin on his left and Newman on his um, Myler on his right. He got lucky in that scenario. Uh, when obviously we're going to talk about later, he didn't get lucky twice. What did you think of that try? It was nice to see Caesar sort of taking the line. What do you think, Cameron? It was. I mean, Caesar's at his best when he does that. I mean, I've said it multiple times that Austin and Caesar, I mean, Austin's still a very good running halfback, but oddly, I think we all thought that Caesar was always going to be like the better organiser and the better kicker of the two, when actually it's Austin who strikes me as the better kicker in terms of certainly kicking from deep. To be fair to Caesar, I thought he kicked quite well in the first half, but I think that speaks to uh, the overall problem with the performance and something Sam alluded to already. Insofar as in the first half, I thought we played the game the way that we wanted to play the game, you know, quick rooks, and we were rolling downfield and kicking on the front foot. In the second half, we just let Wigan play the game the way that they wanted to, as in they were putting us in corners, and I just thought we were struggling to get out of those corners. I know Rowan said after the game that he was frustrated by the rook speed and the, the lack of six agains, and I can he understand says that every week, though. Well, he does. This is, but it is it's, it is flummoxing. Like we're a, we're clearly a team, perhaps the team that thrives the best off quick rooks. And to, you know, the game is supposed to generate those quick rooks with the rules. And to Do see you don't them more though, because I never see them trying to get off the feet quick enough. Like at least force the referee into a decision by trying Maybe. to get up. Like I know, I know it's, it can come down to the referee and how it's being managed. But I also think it comes down to wanting to get up and play that ball quicker. And I don't always see that. Well, I think that was part of the problem yesterday for me. I, I, you know, we probably missed Austin quite a bit, but I also feel like we missed Ash Handley because certainly when we were losing, we needed to try later on, and we were get we were coming from deep. I was feeling like where's the speed being generated from early in the set? You know, I always feel like Handley wins his contact, gets down, quick play the ball, and that can spark something. I just didn't see that yesterday. Everything just seemed so slow when we needed it to be fast. 
because we're a team that when we when we get on the on the roll and we are playing fast, we're very difficult to stop. But the reason why we only had one break, and we've already alluded to the possible mistake that Newman makes. But there wasn't any other break coming, in my opinion, because we were just so slow in that rook area. Yeah, I agree. So let's deal with the elephant in the room, then. Let's open this can of worms because we talked about Newman probably getting lucky in that instance. I I've watched the highlights again and the try, the, the first French try, he seems to get bumped off quite easily by Bevan French. There's Newman, you know, you could put him, you know, at fault for that try. The second try, he looks at, oh, sorry, I think it's French's second. Oh, no, it's Wardle's try. He does look a bit out of position. He's looking at the ball carrier as opposed to looking at the, his man that's opposite him. And then he does the what created probably the biggest groan of the game. And you can hear it in the highlights when he doesn't make that pass inside to Myler. Now, I want to caveat this in saying that I still think that Harry Newman is one of the best players in Super League. Oh, yeah. I don't think there is any other player in that Leeds Rhino squad that could have produced that break that Harry Newman did. So we wouldn't even be in that situation without Harry Newman for the player that he is. But he has to make that pass, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go on, Sam. What, what, you go to it first. He has to make that pass. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some people defending him saying Myler's overrun him, but I, I don't think he did overrun him. I think in the first half, he, you know, he was there for the pass. And you could tell he was a bit annoyed that he didn't get it that time. And mm. if Newman's smart about it, you know, because this isn't the first time Myler's actually screamed and shouted at, at Newman. Um, I think if Newman's smart about it, he just makes the pass. Mm. Because it, it's, you know, it, it just seems the obvious thing to do. If you've got away with it once, learn from it and just yeah. pass the ball. Because that, Myler, I think that worries I'm, me is the naivety of not learning the fact that you, yeah. you got away with it the first time around. Yeah. And even if Myler is in forward, is forward ahead of him, you still make the pass. And if Myler is ahead of him, then the the the, the reason why we don't score goes elsewhere, doesn't it? But yeah. he, he just has to make that. Yeah, I mean, the, the naivety of not learning from the first mistake is probably what annoys me most about it. My, my worry with it is, is as I've just said, Myler's had problems with him before, and twice in this game, he's not passed to him. At some point, players are going to stop supporting him. Because yeah. I know they're not going to get the ball. And if that happens, then we are in trouble. Because Newman's the only one who's going to make the break. But if he can't finish it off, we're not getting any points at all. And so, Milo is one of the best people at doing those support yeah, lines. Left, right yeah, and centre. Yeah. It's where he gets most of his tries for us. Yeah. Um, Cam, what was your assessment of that incident or that? I mean, I can, I can understand. I mean, again, going back on what Sam said, I can understand why some people think Milo might be in front because it's full speed and he it is kind of close. When you, I've seen a few freeze frames on social media and it's very clear that Myler's about a step behind. So it's almost perfect. You just tee that up, put the pass in front of Myler and it, 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 it should be smooth sailing. I'll also say that I'm not 100% sure Myler scores because there are a lot of Wigan players flooding back and I know Myler's not as quick as he probably once was. But that's the best, your best bet of scoring a try. As well, I think you, you mentioned not learning from the earlier... Uh, instance in the in the game it's not like he actually properly fooled Bevan French with that dummy in the first half like French still stuck to him he's just Newman really did get lucky insofar as French just could not execute the tackle because he'd lost his feet that wasn't going to happen a second you know you, you you literally have got lucky you've not you've not fooled him there he read your play he just wasn't able to stop it so just lay on the pass just lay on the pass and see what happens what 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 matters? If you pass it in French tackles Myler, 
the your Harry Newman, quick play of the ball, pick it up and run at the next defence. That's kind of what I'd be thinking because you know I think about what um, his brothers said on on Facebook, going, "Oh, he's seen French move towards Myler." Well, Myler gets tackled. You're in support then. Let's see what happens. Just make the pass because he's in he's in more space than you are. Yeah, it is weird that his, his family always are on that Facebook group talking about him. I do find that a bit a bit strange personally. But um, I think Myler does Myler score it. I don't know. I think the, I think regardless, the pass has to be made. I think French also does deserve some credit because I think right. he, he he goes through it. And I don't know if you watched the game real on BBC again, but he goes through that tackle afterwards, and he yeah. talks about how he dipped his head in a certain way to obviously try force Newman to making the wrong decision. So I think French does deserve some credit in part of that. Um, as well, but I just it, you could feel the groan in the ground, and I do wonder if people are not. I wonder if people's narratives might change on Newman now, or opinion might change on Newman. I I think they have been for a while. You know, when he's been out injured, with everybody missed him and everybody wanted him back, but I think we all knew that he had that in him where he's you know he's a bit petulant, he's a bit hot headed. Um, he, he yeah, we all know how good he is. But because of how good he is, he wants those moments where he's the guy. Um, and I think there's been a few examples of that since um, since he's been back in the team. And you can forgive it the first few times because he, he wants to make an impact and he, you know, he wants to remind people of how good he is. But when it starts impacting results like it did yesterday, and you know, it's it's clearly spilling over into into the team as well because there was the fight with Holroyd the other week. Uh, as I've said, Myler uh, has shouted and screamed at him on the pitch before. Blake Austin's done the same. If it's now impacting team morale and their attitude towards him, um, and you know, and it, and with the fans as well, um, you know, obviously it's something that needs addressing and addressing pretty quick. To me, it speaks to a, a wider problem within this team. Insofar as I think it's great, but there's a great, it's a great quality team. Well. Obviously, there's areas to address, but there is quality in this team. Lots of young quality as well. That's what I mean. I don't want people going, oh, we're eighth in the league and I'm saying we're a quality team. Um, but to me, if Harry Newman's in a squad with someone like Kevin Sinfield or Jamie Peacock, Harry Newman absolutely passes that ball because of the leadership and the culture within the squad. To me, and we've alluded to this before when, um, Reese, uh, you've spoken about like the lack of captain like in the team. Mm. Uh, to me, that doesn't that doesn't help situations like this. The argument when when Austin and Newman have had a go at each other, and, and Myler and, and Newman have had a go at each other. To me, when you've got you know leaders, proper proper leaders who are established leaders in a dressing room, you can kind of control that. And Harry can. It's easier for Harry to learn from this mistake when there isn't that sort of proper leadership within a team. I feel like it's harder for these younger players. Like they've kind of got to do it on their own, like they're learning on the job, and it's harder to really get that culture of support. Like let's not have a go at each other, let's not blame each other, let's just dust it down and move on. So that that's my sort of one, one of my takeaways from it is is we really do need some someone to really start to stand out and be a proper proper leader in this squad. Cam Smith maybe the obvious one. Maybe we should be. I mean, I know I, I don't think Rowan will give a captaincy out, but maybe he needs. Maybe he needs to start rethinking that, so someone can really grab this whole situation by the scruff of the neck. Harry is young; he still has time to learn from this. He's only twenty-three. Like, and, and he will learn from that. 
I, you know, I can I almost guarantee the next time he's in that situation, he will be making that pass more because he just doesn't want to, you know, he, he, the fear of what what the, what people have said online and everything else. But he, I, I'm pretty much certain if he's in that opportunity again, he'll make he'll make the pass as he runs through it in his head. He probably would know himself. I should have made that pass. You could you know, tell from watching him after yeah. it happened yesterday, even before full time. That's all he was thinking about. That yeah, yeah. you know, that's because he, he cares. He cares. Yeah, that's, 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 let's really let's put that down to the fact he cares for the shirt. He always tries yeah. 100%. He knew he made mistakes. His head were down, you know, he were dragging his feet pretty much, and he, he looked good. But I just hope that's because he knows he's made the wrong choice and not because things haven't gone his way. I yeah. hope that's not him throwing a paddy in a, in a sense. But mm. I don't think it was. I think it was more that he, he knew what he'd done in terms of making a mistake. I, um, I will say, say this. I'd fear if I was St. Helens because I feel like this might not happen. But like it's very possible that we get a very, very good Harry Newman performance on Friday because he is that determined yeah. to to make amends and he could be unstoppable. Alternatively, it could go the other way and he could try too hard. I mean, that can happen and then it, it can go wrong. But I, I expect a response from him. He's that kind of player and I, I feel like we could, we could see a very good performance from him against St. Helens. Just the only thing I'd like to touch on now in, the, in this was that before the game, Jamie Peacock did say before the match, he needs to mature. He needs to learn some humility. You're mentioning there, Cameron, about the captain. You know, I would imagine someone like GP going after that first instance and going, yeah. well done, you scored the try, but your next time, just pass it. And, that, and that's exactly what you're saying. Paul's asked in the chat, do you think that maybe Rowan has someone he's bringing in for next season will be captain? Uh, could that be why he's not selecting someone? I don't know what you think on that, Cameron. I, I don't think so. I mean, I know Rowan has said that they, there is already some recruitment done, but name me a player that's available that Leeds have been linked with that should come in and be instantly captain of this club. Like, there isn't. There what, isn't. What, I, what I can say is that I'm really happy that Mason Lino is not coming because, one, Eddie <laughs> well, Eddie can now stop doing saying that we're going to sign him and talking about him because he signed a new three-year deal at Wakefield, which I also can't quite believe. I don't know why people are signing deals at Wakefield uh, at the moment. But, yeah, there is no one of that calibre. And plus, you don't... you what For me, there is captain in that team and it's it is probably Cam Smith. Um, but I, 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 think, talking I think about the this situation... But yeah, this, this is kind of what I was talking about yesterday, actually, with the, the leaving stuff. I think at the start of the season, it was just a really difficult situation with the, the captaincy uh, selection. He, you know, he might have never been doing one, but Leeming clearly wasn't his first choice, but he was still around. So if he's staying, appointing another captain probably isn't the best thing to do anyway. But then he's also said that there's nobody who really stood out as a proper leader. So what what is the point of appointing one if you don't see one but mm. another thing I was talking about yesterday is you know I think he's using this season as an opportunity to work out who the leaders are and I think he might actually appoint a captain for next year and I think I it will be one of Smith and Hanley and yeah. you know probably Smith I'd, I'd go with as well but I, I do think it's something that it's just one of those things that has put pressure on Rowan Smith and it was a needless thing really because that's of his own doing because it, you know Teams have a captain and you don't he didn't need to reinvent the wheel with this. He just appoint a captain and nobody'll say anything about it. So I, I think from next year he'll probably rethink this just having a leadership group and choose somebody who is the captain and 
then that's just something off his off his shoulders. Well, that's the same thing we talk about Harry, isn't it? It's about learning from your mistakes, isn't it? And if everyone thinks and if he learns from it, it's not worked, then he changes it. So it's the same thing. The one last thing I will say on Newman is that, and Dan Foster's put it in the comments, some people reactions to Harry have been embarrassing and fickle. I would never want a Leeds Rhinos play in a situation that people like Patrick Bamford and on the other on the other code. Mm-hmm. Um so I on this podcast does not endorse any abuse towards Harry as a result of the mistake that he made on Saturday. He will learn from it and he will become a better player for it. it doesn't mean we can't critique players, but just do it properly, please, if you are ever gonna do that. What other players stood out for you? I, I got I put Cam. I thought Cam probably played one of the better games he's had recently. I thought he's been probably off form, but Cameron, did you think that Cameron Smith played better? Yeah, I thought he was really good, especially in the well, especially in the first half, but overall just um, really good. I thought he looked particularly dangerous in that first half because we, we threw some good shape at Wigan and when we're throwing good shape at teams, it gives him the freedom to, there's all these players on his outside, he could run with it. I mean, he made that break just before the whole Roy try. I think we ended up getting a couple of penalties and then we score, but he's the one who puts us down, takes us downfield in the first place. Interestingly, he didn't pass to Morgan Gannon, which I find quite amusing. Um, but yeah, I was very impressed with him. I think he's having overall a good season. I think you're right. He he, he has had a slight dip recently, but he seems to have sort of, he seems to be coming out of that um, again. And I just he's just a very good player to watch. And when he plays well, our attack tends to play well. And he gets for loads of work as well. We should say that, especially defensively, I mean, he's top tackler in this. So. Sam, any other players stand out for you? I liked what Jared did when he was on the pitch. I thought we missed him when he went off. Um, James McDonnell were good, you know, in his first game back uh, from a couple of weeks out. I thought he were, you know, strong and steady as he as he usually is. But I don't think anyone beyond that really did too much. I agree with um, with Jared. I thought he did stand out, especially in the first half. And I don't, it just didn't work bringing Corey on. Um, it was strange timing when they did that as yeah. well. I, th- I then, thought O'Connor was the reason why we were quicker in that first half. Um, you know, I thought he was bringing that rook speed. I saw him running from dummy half a lot more now. I haven't got the stats because it's the challenge cult and we don't have them. But I feel like he did run more from dummy half than I've seen previously. So at least he just, he was taking things quicker. So I wonder if that was part of the reason why we were playing better in the first half and that we started uh, best. Um, in true fashion of me being hungover and I actually haven't even followed my own order that I wrote down to go through the pod today. So we jumped straight into the first half. We forgot to talk about the lineup. Now, the lineup was interesting. So, we're going to talk in a really weird order. We've done the first half, we're going to get to the lineup, and then we'll go to the second half. The lineup obviously was really interesting. Hanley was out uh, with illness, which meant that um, Milo also, obviously, and then obviously Austin was out with an injury as well. So, it meant that we had Morgan Gannon at halfback, an experiment I thought I would never see in a real game. Sam, did the experiment pay off? Um,. I don't think he did badly. Um, I, I I didn't notice him in the game. That's what I would say. I he just did what he had to do. I think you know I, I can't criticise him because it's his first game in a um, you know competitive match in that position, and he's just come back from injury himself, mm-hmm. and it, it's not his natural position. So I'm not going to criticise him, but I also don't think it was you know he didn't do anything to show us that long-term he's going to be a six. But at the same time, um, yeah, he was just, yeah. he was fine. 
I thought defensively it meant that we had another sort of big forward sort of in in defence, and I thought that might have helped us against Wigan's pack. But Cameron, did it did did the experiment pay off to you? Do you want to see that experiment again? Uh, based on that, I would probably say no. But um, I don't think he really played like a six. I don't know if that was the plan. Um, he was a good ball runner um, in the first half. I thought I thought that worked when we were on top, but it, it sort of meant that we were playing literally with an half-back in a full-back, because, like I said, I just don't think he was playing like a six players. Um, but that, and, and interestingly enough, you mentioned defence. I actually thought he was defending on the right-hand side, and I thought we looked so loose down the right edge all game. I'm not saying that's his fault, but it's just interesting because I, I agree with you that he maybe should... I'd, I'd expect him to make us more defensively solid and in fact, the, his side seemed quite quite loose indeed. I think a lot of the changes that we had to make didn't work. I, it's interesting to, to say this, given that he was he wears the number four shirt and he was signed as a centre. But I think yesterday showed that Nenny McDonald is far better on the wing. I think he got caught out a couple of times defensively. And he just almost didn't seem involved in, as much as he is when he's on the wing. I don't know. And then, interestingly enough, I also think Reese Mine didn't feel as involved as he, as he does when he plays at centre. I almost didn't notice Reese. I think the first time I noticed him was like in 25 minutes. It's like, oh yeah, Reese is playing. Yeah, it was a quiet game for Reese. And I think obviously as well, Rowan was restricted by the squad he named. Like, I couldn't for the life of me remember if Luke Cooley was still on loan at Batley or not. But obviously, if Luke Cooley's in that squad, would you not have Luke Cooley at full back and then move Myler into the half of Caesar? It's an interesting one. He is on loan, I think, still, but he wasn't allowed to play in the cup because he would be cup tied. Oh, he's in cup tied, sorry, of course. Um, and then obviously the other change was that Olfurts came back for his first game. Um, I thought he carried well out from the back, you know, which he always tends to do. Uh, although I still find myself shouting forward every time he got the ball because him and Liam Tyndall together are the most crabby wingers I've ever <laughs> seen. They're practically swapping wins on every single time they get the ball when they're carrying out from the back. Just run forward um but what did you think of Olfus? obviously he didn't make that mistake sam but do you, that aside did he have a good game <laughs> it's funny you asking me ask it to me like that because the only thing i noticed him do was drop that ball because he does it every game he does it every time he plays um yeah if you, if you say he made decent meters i'll i'll believe you but um yeah i just i just don't rate him i just don't see what he offers Cameron, what do you think? I mean, last year he was, I think he was fifth in metres in the league. I think he had the most tackle breaks. It, are those stats just a, an anomaly? Do you not think they're a fair reflection? Because is there a good player in there? I mean, obviously, for the games he's had with Leeds, I can only really think of when the time when he came on at Catalan where he has played well. But what did you think of him yesterday, Cameron? The irony with him is actually I played quite well against Warrington in round one. I remember going, oh, he's, he, he was one positive against Warrington. And it just seems to have gone downhill from him from there. I think confidence is a uh, maybe a little bit of a problem for him, um, especially after that whole KR game, I think. I think that's, um, it's difficult to come back from a performance like that. I think he was like a 6 out of 10 yesterday. He did his... He did hit the sort of spectrum of his job well insofar as he did carry the ball well. I thought he chased some kicks well. I thought that there was one in the second half where he chased it, basically forced Bevan French into a knock-on, and it should have been Leeds' ball, and it and it, and it ended up being a Wigan ball, which I was quite surprised at. Obviously, there was that one error. I, you know, he, he should catch it, but also I don't think the pass is the best from Jared because it's up here. Like, it's always mm. difficult. 
um, catching that. But like, it's one of them where you mentioned his stats. Those stats scream to me, Rowan Smith winger, because I think this is why I don't think he he trusts Tyndall that well that much. Is because I think he wants big, powerful wingers who are going to make lots of meters in those early carries and can bust tackles. So he does his stats point the the other reason why I think Rowan's signed him, but you maybe need a little bit more from him. Certainly in a game like yesterday where you are missing Ash Handley, you're missing Blake Austin, so you kind of need your wingers to be like a real, you know, a strike weapon. And I haven't really seemed to be that yesterday. And then with Nene playing at centre, which I think like I've already alluded to, I feel like sapped him of his usual attacking potential. It just ended up just being Harry Newman, which we've already talked about. He's the only player who looked like making a break. So, yeah. Okay, let's go to the second half then, because... I think for any side that makes a comeback, scoring the last try in the first half and then scoring after 33 seconds is the, almost a, a perfect scenario for the, for that team, but it's a dark storm for the opposing team. Um, I was incredibly disappointed for us to be, you know, conceding a try after 33 seconds in the second half. Um, I, it looks like Dono got caught out of position and Gannon got caught out of position with that try. Um, did you fear the worst from that point, Sam, when that try was scored after 33 seconds? I didn't feel the worst. I just felt like we, you know, we just haven't woken up yet in the second half because with it being Leeds in a second half, I was kind of expecting maybe we're just going to put in a full 80 minute performance here. <laughs> well, I, I was, you know, I was actually getting quite excited about that, but then that happened and I just, you know, it was, I just, at the time I thought it's just one of them, you know, they've caught us off guard early in the half, but we've got time, we're still ahead and we've got time to recover this. Um, and I was so sure we were going to score points in that second half as well. So I was just thinking, you know, shake that off. And I actually said to my mate at the time, with classic Sunday league football shout, you've just got to start the, you know, it's nil-nil, you've just got to start again. You've just got to pretend this is the start of the second half now and forget that's happened. But yeah, didn't quite go as I'd hoped. Cameron, did you fear the worst after 33 seconds? A concern of mine would be the fact that this is not the first time that we started the second half and we've not been switched on. Uh, my mind journeys back to OKR. Or any that, half. Uh, yeah, that, that try um, basically lost us the game um, at Craven Park when we conceded that. That was unforgivable. And this was a sort of a similar a similar case. Um, I don't think we actually... I mean, I, I, we've talked about the first half. I thought we played relatively well in the first half, but we have talked about how Harry got lucky, and you mentioned it earlier, Reese, that we have got lucky with some forward passes. I thought we just looked incredibly loose defensively in our own half, which is odd because I actually thought we were defending quite well and higher intensity than we usually do up the field. Uh, usually it's the other way around. We're usually quite passive, 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 and then we look quite solid defending. Well, we, the aim is to be solid defending in your own half. In the first half, I saw glimpses of we, we look quite flimsy when we're defending in our own half and we could leak points. And the start of the second half showed me that we could continue to leak points. But we this is where we, where I talked about is we needed to keep playing the game our way and in their half and we just let them bully us. And that, if we'd have done that, we'd have still won the game. But in the end, we've just let them creep up, pin us in that corner and we just always look like leaking tries. I do think that we we I felt we lost control in that second half. We, yeah. we were certainly not in control of that game. We were playing, we were playing Wigan, Wigan's rugby at that point, and you know Harry Smith took control of the game. Uh, I think it was Harry Smith that um, made the pass to uh, Insembe 
or Insemba, whatever, you, however you want to say his name. Um, he made a massive impact for Wigan. I thought um, sounds like another prop on the young forward on the conveyor belt at Wigan. He was probably the player I was most jealous of for Wigan. I don't know what you guys thought of him, Sam. What were your thoughts on that Insemba kid? Yeah, he looked really good. My main thought during the game was they've got this guy who's massive and he's clearly a big talent. And if they're adding Sam Walters to that and yeah. you know what people are saying he could become, they've That's, got that should be highly mm-hmm. illegal to have two props at six foot seven on the pitch <laughs> yeah. at one time. Like that that is just not right. But I I I my thought went to exactly that during the game. I thought, God, this kid looks good. And he's sort of similar build to Walters, like what what that what's that going to be for them if they've got these two, you know, and yeah. the impact that they can both make. Um, I did think I think it was Nene that got out caught out of position for that yeah. try as well again. So going back to what you were saying, Cameron, about a bit of loose defending again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is what I mean as well. I mean, I know a lot of people questioned when we signed Nene, is he good enough defensively? And I saw I've defended him most of the season, but to be fair, most of the season he's been on the wing. He's very I always think that the the hardest position on a rugby field to defend is centre, yeah. because it's not like a winger where you're looking all in. You you're one in from the wing, so you've got you've got to have like this. You've got to have full vision because you've got to keep an eye on what's going on. But then it's easy to get sucked in and drawn out. And he he did get caught out a few a few times. But overall, I just our edge defence was as flimsy as I've I've seen it. Um, for 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 a while, I expect a little bit better. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Because I don't want to go through the Newman incident again. You know, uh, anything else that we should be picking up on? Any players? Anything like that? I think I, I'd like to pick up on something you've said quite recently, Reese, which was about the the, the control, losing control mm. of the second half. And um, you are right that we were playing Wigan's game in the second half. But what annoys me most is there were times where Wigan offered us back control on a silver platter and we didn't take it. You know, there was a couple of short, short kickoffs which actually worked. Um, they were making errors off uh, errors in their own half and just like, just show a bit more composure, you know. And also, let's show a bit more endeavour when we were attacking in there 20 metres. I think in the second half, we just looked... I mean, obviously, we're quite an unstructured side anyway and that can be brilliant to watch. But we just look devoid of ideas in the second half when we were attacking in their 20 because we did have chances well before Harry's moment we had spells down there we just never look like scoring no I do think we do look we don't look dangerous in the in the 20 meters zone I, I really don't feel that when other teams are in our 20 I'm thinking shit 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 most of the time I'm panicking because I can see the dummy runs I can see the structure of the attack coming but when we get the ball I'm I'm, I'm I can't see what we're about to do, and I, I just don't get excited by it because I can't see where the, where the score is going to come from. And the scores tend to be coming from those breaks, 50, 60 meters away from yeah. players like Newman or that making those those bits of individual brilliance. Um, I'm going to go straight to man of the match now. Uh, who was your man of the match, Sam? Um, I'd probably give it Allroyd. I thought it was really good. Just that, you know, especially the first half. And that try, just the determination for that try, I think he wins it for that alone. Cameron? All right, to shout, I'll go with um, Cam Smith, though. He did so many long minutes, so much so that he had to go off with cramp at the end. Um, he, uh, he he did look our most dangerous, dangerous player for me. So as founder of the society, I clearly should be saying Cameron, but um, 
I actually think Tom Holroyd was my man of the match. So, a lot of man of the match goes to Tom Holroyd uh, for the Wigan uh, loss. Um, just because I always forget to include the score, uh, we lost 14 points uh, to 18. Probably should have been more, actually, because Harry Smith kept missing those kicks. And yeah. that's probably, again, what kept us in the game. So, again, you could argue that it's not entirely Newman fault for the incident. But, yeah, 14-18 was a result. Um, we had some... Uh, interesting rugby league news this week uh, in that the French, uh, I can't remember if it's the government or whoever, has have pulled out of hosting the 2025 Rugby League World Cup. Sam, what was your thoughts on that when you saw that news? I've got to be honest, I've not read that much about it because it's just so unsurprising, isn't it? <laughs> it's just typical rugby league for something like that to happen. So I, I saw the news and didn't really think about it again. I thought, yep, that's about right, and then just moved on. So what happens with it happens, but yeah, it's just, it's a shame because it would have been good to have it somewhere different, but yeah, it's not going to be, is it? Yeah, I thought France is a really good opportunity. Cameron, were you, how was, what was your reaction to when you read saw the news? Yeah, just not surprised. I mean, has been muted for what a quite... Sad, sorry, what a sad state of affair. Like, it's a quite a big story, but none of us are surprised that it happened. Well, that's just... It's, it's just, just a, rugby league, isn't it? Yeah, it's just international rugby league. I mean, how many times have we been burnt, certainly recently, with these kind of things? You know, 2020, you're supposed to have an Ashes. I mean, yeah, that, that year was the year where the pandemic was sort of at its height. So you can kind of understand why we don't play Australia. But I will say this. England, England um, football still played their games in twenty. You know they were playing Nations League. I'm pretty sure at the end of the 2020 season. I might be wrong, but if I remember correctly, they did. Mm. Um, you know, and then obviously the World Cup got pushed back. You know, so maybe it's a good thing because we're not we're we're, we're not going to have uh, we might have four years between the World Cups now if it does get if this one gets pushed back as well. But it's just like no one. Until the NRL and like Australia really get their fingers in the international game, and I'm not just talking about Australia playing New Zealand, Samoa, and Tonga, but like just the wider game, the international game is just not going to have the ability to really take the steps forward that we need. Because you, I mean, as much as I love Super League and obviously the English game, it, it's like if England um, football didn't carry the the the, the sport forward, uh, the fo- football forward you know, long ago. This is what Australia needs to do now. They they are like the Premier League of Rugby League. So so just take the game elsewhere. Really drive you you know, that's how you build a sporting legacy is take it beyond what it is now. Grow it and not just in your own country but beyond that. And that's that's what I'd call for Australia to do. So obviously the question that follows this is where does it go if it does happen in twenty twenty five or the year later? Um, obviously, the surprise name of the bunch was Qatar. Um, Jenny's put in the comments saying that can't wait to see matches in Qatar in empty stadiums in a country with zero interest in the sport. We should not be going to Qatar at all, in my opinion. We okay. had probably one of the most inclusive sporting tournaments in the that's ever happened uh, last year. Um, and to take it to somewhere like Qatar is to undo all that work that you've done. The place that has an appalling human rights record, doesn't respect women, um, and therefore they shouldn't be given that opportunity for my liking. I know there's a lot of money for it, but I don't give a crap, quite frankly. Qatar is certainly off the table for me. I don't know if you two agree with that. Um, hit the nail on the head. Couldn't say it any better. Sound? The only, the only thing I would say about Qatar is, is this is, if you want to help, you know, if you want to try and change their opinions, maybe you could try to change their opinions 
by going to that going you know and doing the tournament there and trying to sort of you know maybe maybe you need to rethink this and rethink that mm. but I, I will probably league's probably not bigger bigger you know that's more football's job like football needed to do more with that I just don't that. think you get people there anyway because like I don't know how many Australians and New Zealanders came over here exactly. like so this is what I mean like Football needed to do more, in my opinion. Football needed to push the the human rights thing more in in the twenty twenty FIFA World Cup. I don't really think rugby league has the clout to do that, so it's probably probably right not to go there. But I'm just, I was just trying to play devil's advocate. Yeah, there. no, fair enough. You can do that, but you're wrong. Um, Paul, <laughs> Paul Ramsons put that Spain are trying to build up a bit of rugby league, so maybe something like that would be good. Obviously, with the football stadiums, I don't really want to see it go to Australia because it just feels like we're just doing the same thing. I've seen New Zealand mentioned, and I I actually would quite like New Zealand because if it was just New Zealand, you know, they've hosted the Rugby Union World Cup in 2011. I think they hosted the Under-17 Football World Cup, or at least some uh, or, or some form of age-grade women's World Cup as well. Um, they've got great stadiums. You know, they've got uh, Eden Park, Mount Smart. They've got a stadium in Wellington, a really cool stadium in Dunedin, and loads of other small stadiums. It's got a massive Pacific Islands nation. You know, we I want more scenes like that Tonga semi-final at Mount Smart, where it was a sea of red. I want that was a, that is a picture you can sell for International Rugby League in terms of promoting it. So I think there's so many positive to uh, New Zealand. Plus, it'd be ten years since I went to New Zealand, so it gives me uh, an excuse to go back. Um, Sam, have you got a preferred option of where it goes? Probably New Zealand as well. And um, you know, it's. I think we've got to be realistic that now France have pulled out and it's not that far away. It's going to be based somewhere where rugby league already is. You know, there's a strong rugby league background, I suppose. Uh, but as you say, Australia would be the same, same old, same old. Let's not do that. Let's try be a little bit creative with it. Do New Zealand or you know Tonga, Samoa, take it somewhere different and let's you know give people something a little bit different to watch but well we still know we're going to get crowds and it's going to feel like a a proper celebration of of rugby league i think it's a good opportunity for new zealand as well to test if there's a market for a second new zealand team in the nrl and i think christchurch or wellington has been mentioned a couple of times as a potential expansion point so and it also means that new zealand warriors will go back to the auckland warriors which i just prefer but I think it gives the game a bit of a chance as well to that for that to grow. Cameron, have you got a preference of where you'd want the World Cup to go in 2025? I did like um, Andrew Voss's idea of um, doing sort of like a Euros 2020 thing where, you know, how that was. I mean, he the finals at Wembley, but you had like stadiums all across Europe. Um, he suggested something similar where the tournament could be, you know, based mostly in the UK, but you have games in uh, France. So France still get a little bit of involvement. Um, Spain and other countries where you're trying to sell the game. But I think ultimately the realistic shout is probably uh, New Zealand for the reasons that you guys have already you know, clearly laid out. I, I would like to see, you know, like the Pacific Islands, you know, involved in, in some, you know, in a, in a real capacity of, of, you know, maybe co-hosting it and, you know, having some games actually like in Tonga and things, if that's possible. Yeah. But I don't know how logistically speaking that, 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 if that is feasible, but that would be nice. And then finally, turning to uh, our next game, which is St. Helens at home. They will be coming after us because of what happened uh, in round three. It's Friday night lights, um, so it means I won't have a hangover the next day. Um, 
what are your guys' predictions so far for that Saints game? Obviously, they're going to be without the leading grub in Super League, uh, which is Morgan Knowles. Uh, for those of you who oh, haven't seen, Matty Lee's here, he's going to be out. But obviously, Morgan Knowles received a red card um, the other day. So what, what changes to the side with you, mate? Because it feels like Austin might not be available by the sound of things. Obviously, we need to see Hanley if he can come back from his uh, illness. Obviously, Jack might be out of the HIA protocols, but I think they're probably going to look after him. So, what changes to the lineup do we you think we'll see, Sam? And I suppose the question is, what do you want to see? Uh, well, if Handley's ready to come back, he obviously comes straight back in. Um, but I'd probably put him at fullback and then put Myla into the halves. Um, the who's your that... wings in that scenario? Um, is it Crab One and Crab Two? Push Nene. Push Nene <laughs> yeah. Well, no, McDonald's going out to the wing and then purely because I'm just not his biggest fan, I'm dropping Alfords and keeping Tindall in. Cameron, what would you be doing for the lineup? Uh Basically the same as um, Sam. I think for me, it's a bit close between Alfords and uh, Tindall. Um, I'm not particularly fussed which way we go in that, in that scenario. Uh, if I put my Rowan Smith hat on, I think because Alfords is more senior and has been more involved. And let's not forget, Tyndall might not necessarily be here at the end of the year because I know the club wants to keep him, but he's not. I don't think he's signed a new deal yet. So yeah, I do feel like he'll lean towards Alfords. It's a shame about Jack because this could be a really good period for him. But obviously, he's, he's doing his exams, um, uh, which Rowan mentioned this week. and. Can I kind of understand protected him? You know, <laughs> you forget that you realize how young these players are, aren't they? When, like, when Logan Gallington got his A levels last year, I went, he's shit, he's 18. Like, you, you just forget. <laughs> so weird. You? Um, yeah, so, uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens with uh James Bentley because um, he should be back from his head injury. Um, so I, I would part of me feels like we'll see Corey Johnson drop back out and go to more of a, a Wigan, you know, a bench against Wigan away. Where you, you sort of have a ball playing back row, whether it be Bentley who can obviously come on as a nine, or if it's Morgan Gannon who can come on as a six on the bench and really go with size rather than you know having a real proper ball player like Corey Johnson involved. One player who I don't think we'll see involved very much for the rest of the season though is uh, Sam Walters. I think if Sam Walters was staying, I feel like our lineup against Wigan on Saturday could have been quite different. You know, maybe Nenny does play on. The wing and everyone sort of pushes out one because Walters is playing. Um, but it's probably from Leeds' perspective, there's no point unless you have to play him in playing him because he's just developing a player then for Wigan. Do you give Luke Cooley a go? Because he might, is it is a scenario where if you play Luke Cooley, your Hanley stays on the wing, you've got Nene on the wing, so you've got neither Crab One or Crab Two on the, on the wings, you can move Reese Martin into centre. With, with Newman, and then for me, you, you know, you've got Gannon McDonald, you know, our future second row partnership. In fact, that pack of Oledski, O'Connor, Holroyd, McDonald, Gannon, Smith will probably be our pack, all homegrown English players, or mostly homegrown Leeds players, you know, for the next five, six, seven That's years, awesome. hopefully. Um, so, you know, I'd like to see Gannon and McDonald play together. I'd probably put Bentley back on the bench if he was free. But if Hooley's available, do you think that's an option we should be looking at, Sam? No. I, You know, <laughs> not, because of him, not, not because of him, by the way. It's because his debut, he was thrown into that OKR game and given a really tough time. And I think it's been wise to just remove him from that from a little bit. 
uh, for a little bit and you know get some game time at um, at Batley. But I think to throw him back in against St. Ellen's is <laughs> equally as as harsh, to be honest. Uh, as, when do, when as, do we play Wakefield next? <laughs> yeah, no, do it then. I absolutely do it then. Who cares? It's Wakefield, isn't it? But yeah, not this week. Not this week. I've said that now. Wakefield are going to beat us, are they? <laughs> I, I, I saw Rob Conlon, uh, the guy that's on a square ball, uh, who's hopefully actually going to come on, on this pod at some point. Um he said that he's never been more convinced that Leeds will lose to Wakefield this year. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen the tweet that he put about that, and it just reminded me of 2014 when we lost to London, only team to oh. lose to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it screams that. But yeah, so so Luke is Hooli an option for you, Cameron? Or do you uh, agree with Sam? I, I agree with Sam, and I, I want to make a wider point about um, um, so, well, the Challenge Cup. Actually, this is why the Challenge Cup needs you need to introduce Super League clubs earlier because you know cup games used to be such a good opportunity to play your younger players and give them a taste if, if you've got a championship side you can give your younger players a taste of first team action and if you've signed someone from the championship it's also that opportunity to sort of bring them in in a game where you're almost certainly going to win and you can sort of test them out with the structures and things and slowly build up to, to, to a, a proper full-on Super League clash and I mean, maybe it's because I'm sick and tired of drawing a big club or at least a Super League club in the opening round and getting dumped out because that's been the case since since the last time we won it. We've gone out first hurdle every single season, which is kind of winding me up. But it's just it's, the cup's just gone up, up it starts and then finishes it all like that, pretty much, doesn't it? Mm. You know, four games and you've won a trophy. You know, Probably the only good. time I've been jealous of St. Helens this season was when they got the Halifax away draw. And I, I did see something, I think it was uh, Johnny Lou, who is a Saints fan, saying that should be a bit like the Spanish Cup where the the larger team is away. So you do the draw, but it's if the team's in the league below, they automatically get the home game. And bringing those teams in earlier, you know, I, I'd love to have an away day at Whitehaven or somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, I, I want to go to York. I, yeah, I York. The way, but you know, that's it's a nice little stadium. That and being able to watch Leeds there would be great. Yeah, so I think I, I I do agree, and there does feel a bit of the magic of the Challenge Cup isn't there anymore. As you know, yeah. has Magic Weekend replaced that massive day out that the Challenge Cup final was? Um, I heard the Lose Four guys were talking about that the other week, um, and obviously the shown by the attendance on Saturday. Now, did, I don't know if the attendance got announced, actually. I don't remember. It hasn't been announced. Though. Um, it, but no, it can't but... have been more than eight, nine, I don't think. Um, so, yeah. And obviously then... People, that's shocking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, obviously, then doesn't happen with the Magic of the Challenge Cup is that Wigan and Warrington get drawn together again for what must be like the seventh time in a row. Um, and I everyone think it's just... something like seven times in nine years. It's something that's... stupid like that. So yeah, yeah. So I, it's I like agree Castle with you. Today as well, like it's that's five times since 2015. Those two have been drawn. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that I, I do think there's a bit more. Magic. I'd love to come in a bit earlier. I'd love. I want an away day at Whitehaven or something staff like that because it's a great. It's a great day out, and obviously it's revenue for that clubs. You know, Halifax sold out their hospitality for the first time this year. As a result of that, so I think that's a really, really important, a good point. What's the prediction then for Saints on Friday, Sam? What do you think the score will be? I actually think it's going to be quite close. Mm, twenty. I'll go twenty-six, eighteen leads, and I don't know. I don't normally go for for leads. I'm usually quite negative, but I'm I'm actually going to back us next week. Before I ask Cameron again, is Johnny Lomack, did he pass his HIA? 
Yeah, I believe he did. Um, he did while he was playing. Okay. Yeah. So bearing that in mind then, Cameron, uh, what's your prediction for Friday? I still got loads of win because it's, that's just leads in a nutshell this season because uh, you lose you lose to teams you should beat. You beat the top teams and we've been all, all the top four last year and also we just we go we sort of win one, lose one, win one, lose one. So I think we I think we, we beat Saints and it'll kill me inside to know that we did the double over the year after we lost the grand final to him because I would absolutely trade uh, one of those wins um, if it and change it to being at Old Trafford last year. But hey ho, it's just the it leads all over, and I still maintain that because of the weird way that we play rugby league, where we are you know the top teams kryptonite. They all want to play this sort of boring brand of rugby where it's all physical, and then you kick it to a corner and you you trap them in a corner and you you build pressure slowly. And I feel like Leeds are the antithesis of that and it's they are built to annoy these teams and cause them problems sometimes it won't work because it is it's all or nothing plays all the bloody time but i feel like this, this in my gut i just feel like this is the one that's going to come off uh in the host tradition uh, i'm going to say lead by 33 <laughs> uh and uh, liam tyndall will get a, a hat trick some uh, Cameron, Sam, thanks for very much coming on this evening and thanks for your time. Um, everyone, thank you for the comments and taking part uh, and obviously joining us whilst live streaming. We do live stream this match review panel each week, normally on a Sunday around 7 or 8 o'clock, so please feel free to join us in the future. Last thing I'd like to remind everyone is that the auction or the raffle, sorry, rather, for the uh, Magic Weekend shirt is live on my Twitter, which is the Owl and Fleece. It is £2.50 a ticket. You can enter as many times as you want. Uh, there are 100 slots, which means we'll raise £250 for charity. Half of it goes to Rob Burr, Senator of MOD, and the other half goes to the MND Foundation. So any questions about that, pop me a message or take part. It is pinned on my profile to see that. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all next week to review the Saints game. <laughs>